sacrificed your life so we could experience freedom. You left your family so we could be with ours. You sacrificed it all for the greater good. You have stood up so that we can have freedom and liberty. You are the heroes of our nation. You have served our country honorably, and we thank you for your sacrifice. We are truly thank- thankful, aren't we? You know, I was I was thinking today, you know, there are so many, if you watch the news, there are so many countries in turmoil, uh, oppressed, not able to even worship on Sunday mornings like we are. We are so blessed. And it's because of men and women that have given time and effort, sacrificed from their families, and we are blessed. Today, I just would like, if you are a veteran or currently serving in the military, if you would just stand, please, and we'd like to give you our appreciation. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it is um, my honor today um, to tell you about a guest speaker that is coming to uh, speak to your hearts today. Uh, John Cook has been at GT for a long time. Um, 28 years ago, my husband and I, with our two girls, came to GT. And John and his family have always been a part of it. Um, As a matter of fact, his mom, became the, the Illinois grandma because um, she looks so much like their grandma in North Carolina. And she just kind of adopted my two kids. And so we've always felt like we are part of the family. So we were really excited when John came and said, I feel like God is calling me into ministry. And so he went through schooling and is a, a, is a pastor now. He has uh, been away from this area for a while and has now come back. And we are thrilled that him and Rio are here at GT. And it is my honor to introduce to you our speaker today. Please make him welcome, John Cook. Good morning. How are you this morning? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you for allowing me to bring the word of God to you this morning. There's nothing like it, and I love, I love doing it. Um, most of us have experienced the following things in our lives. Say you're speeding. We don't speed, though, right? But say you're speeding and you're going around a curvy road and you have to be somewhere, you have to be there at this time and you're going around this curvy road and you can't pass because you have somebody slow in front of you. What do you do? You have to slow down and wait. You have to wait, right? How about this? When you make an important phone call and all you get is the machine Right, and, and so it says, if, if you live in the US, press number one. If, if you want English, press number two. If you have a complaint, press number three. If you have bad breath, hang up the phone. <laughs> then you finally press all of these numbers. 
And then you get another recording that says your approximate waiting time is 10 minutes. And then there's that music that I think is with, I don't know where this music came from, but every place has the same music all the time. So you wait, you get past the music, you wait that time, you finally get to your, your final destination on the phone, and you, then you get another recording. Another recording that says, I'm not able to take your call right now. If you will leave your name, number, and a short message, I will gladly get back with you. Wait, wait, wait. You've got to wait. Do you like waiting? You're honest. You're, you're honest. Does it bother you to wait? Yes, yes. How about this? Say you take the whole family to McDonald's and you go through the drive-thru and you order this special hamburger that you so love and then you place everybody else's order. So you go up and you pay for your order and then you go up to the pickup window and if you're like me, you get there, you get your bags, you open them up and look in, make sure everything is there. So everything is there except for your special order hamburger. And they tell you to pull up and wait, wait. Hmm. I know people like this one, Walmart. <laughs> You're in a line at Walmart, which seems like you've been there for eternity already. And seeing somebody ahead of you has a price check. And this price check takes about 15 minutes. <laughs> so they go out, they get the price, they come back. And then you have to wait another 10 minutes. You have to wait for them to get out their hammer and their piggy bank and break the piggy bank open. And I'm exaggerating, okay? But you get the point, right? You get the point. You have to wait. We're constantly waiting, whether it's in traffic or, or, or at a traffic light or at the dentist or doctor's office, we're waiting, wait, wait, wait. And with the use of, of, of fax machines and our cell phones and emails and microwaves, I think that we've become spoiled on immediate service. We have. 10 minutes without electricity drives you up the wall, doesn't it? Who remembers, if you have a dime, you have a payphone? We didn't have all these gadgets and stuff. You had a dime, you go to the payphone at the nearest gas station. What about, what about when God is slow in providing an answer to a prayer that you've been praying? What do you do when you have to wait on God? And definitely, the Bible does tell us in, in, in uh, the 27th Psalm that we're to wait on God. You know, it's, it's easy to say, and it's, it's easy to preach, especially if you're not the one waiting. Tell that to the person that's just lost a loved one. Tell that to the person who has been told by a spouse that they've been married to for over 30 years that they're leaving and not coming back. It's easy to wait if you're not the one having to wait. Tell that to the child who's been living in the center of abuse. 
Tell that to the person that, that is getting some bad news from the doctor. What do you do when you have to wait? I mean, waiting on God. When God puts you on hold. What do you do when God puts you on hold? Now, do we mean that God puts us on hold? Well, I think we're going to find the answer to these questions from our text this morning. And our text is from the book of Matthew, 15th chapter. And in it, we're going to read about a lady who didn't receive an immediate answer for her prayer. And we're going to see how Jesus was silent and didn't respond right away to her prayer request. So let's, if you have your notes, let's read from Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and, and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Let me catch you up to where, where we're at here, leading into this, this encounter. Jesus and the disciples were in the region of Gesserit. And Jesus was there doing, healing people. People were touching his, this, the cloak of his hem, and they were getting healed. So now after they leave, they travel with the disciples, Jesus does, northwest about 50 miles to a town known as Tyre and Sidon. And it was in this area that they stopped at a, at a home, and this home was probably a relative of, of one of the disciples. See, they were in Gentile country now. It was this area that they stopped at this home where they were in enemy territory. Because then the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along together. But Jesus, Jesus, he took time to show his love and concern for the Gentiles. See, because for many, many years in the Bible, the only distinction made was that you were either a Jew or you were either a Gentile. But Jesus, after he formed the church, he made it clear. He made it clear, folks, that salvation is for all people. Regardless if you are black or white, Jew or Gentile, man or woman, salvation is for all people. Now this home was probably a Jewish home that had Jewish, uh, um, Jewish traditions and customs. And they were probably having this meal together. There might have been some children even playing with a puppy as they were eating and some of the crumbs fell from the tables and, and I can imagine the puppies, puppies were, were eating these crumbs. And while in this home, a lady from this area, which Matthew calls a woman of Canaan, she comes begging Jesus to deliver her daughter from a, from a demon. Now the word Canaan, it doesn't mean too much to you or I, does it? But to the audience that, G, that uh, 
that Jesus, Matthew was speaking to, the Jews, it meant one thing. It meant enemies. Enemies. You see, the Canaanites and the, and the, the, the Jews were very old enemies. So here was Jesus with his disciples in some enemy territory. But then this woman comes into the house and she's begging Jesus to heal her daughter. And when she enters this house, she addresses Jesus with a, with a, a title that only Jews would understand. She says to him, O Lord, son of David. See, that was a title for a Messiah. Gentile people at that time, they didn't have that kind of a, a belief. See, this woman grew up in a territory where, I mean, they had many different gods. They had a, a god for the sun, a god for the rain, a god for the wind, a god for this and a god for that. This woman grew up believing this. But all those gods that she grew up believing in couldn't help her, couldn't help her daughter. She had a daughter that was severely tormented by an evil spirit. This lady needed some real help. See, somewhere along the line, she had to hear of the name of Jesus. Hmm. She had to have heard about Jesus from somewhere. She had to, see, or she wouldn't know this title, the Son of David, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior. And she took advantage of this at that moment. She said, have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But what did Jesus do? He didn't answer her a word. He did not say a word. You see, folks, Jesus, he put this lady for the moment on hold. You know, I can just imagine the length of, of silence. But I believe that this woman repeatedly makes the request and repeatedly asks Jesus for help. And then the next verse says that the disciples, they, they, they urge Jesus to send this woman away for she cries after us. But yet still, there's silence from Jesus. Not a word is spoken. What do you do when God puts you on hold? Seems like everybody is, is, is getting an answer. But right now, I'm on hold. What do you do when God puts you on hold? The first thing you do is you keep on trusting in Jesus. You keep on trusting in the God who has always been faithful in the past. I don't know about right now, this present moment, but I know that God has been faithful to me in all of my yesterdays. I have to keep on trusting in Jesus. He's been there for me all last week. He's been there for me all last month. He's even been there for me all last year. I've never known a time when God was not faithful. And I've never known a situation that was too difficult for our Jesus. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? Amen. But this woman, she gets the silent treatment. Now does that mean that Jesus, he's unconcerned or he doesn't care about her problem? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But this woman of Canaan, She's not going to walk away. She's not leaving. Because she believes that Jesus will eventually speak. 
when God puts you on hold, just remember this. He has a word for you. He has a word for you to hang on. Stay on the line. You may not get that word immediately, but eventually he's going to speak to your very need. So keep on praying and keep on fasting because God will speak to you. Keep on reading the word because Jesus has a word just for you. And don't think that you're the only one that, that, that God has, hasn't spoken to or has put you on hold. There were a lot of people in the Bible, a lot of people in the Bible that this happened to. Look at Job. Job lost his family, lost his health, lost the confidence of his wife, lost his wealth. See, God allowed Satan to, to touch his life and all those bad things came upon Job. God never, he never told Job the reason why. Job wondered why. Why doesn't God speak to me? But he kept trusting in him. There was Abraham, 100 years old. 100 years old before his son was born to him. For many, many years, Abraham wondered not why, but when. When, oh Lord, will my son come? When will my wife Sarah give birth? See, for many years, Abraham kept on believing God even when God placed Abraham on hold. Even the prophets. The prophets wondered how long. How long? When will the Messiah come? You see, after the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, there's a period of time that's, that's been called the, the silent years. For 400 years, nothing new has happened. No new revelation. So from the last book of the Old Testament to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, there was a 400 year span of silence. It's as if God had put the entire world on hold. Keep on trusting Jesus because he will eventually speak to you. God will eventually speak. But you know, there's one time when God didn't speak. That's when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't get a response at that very moment. But Jesus was committed to his heavenly father. Because right after that, Jesus said, Father, into my hands, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. He trusted in his Father. We should trust in our Lord. So, so far here, we've, we've heard two voices. We've heard the voice of the woman, the mother. Lord, have mercy on me. And then we heard the voice of the disciples that said to Jesus to send her away. But Jesus, he wouldn't send her away. Because didn't Jesus say, all that come to me, I will in no ways cast out? Jesus now speaks. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus wasn't saying that blessings of God are only for Israel. He wasn't saying that uh, salvation was only for the Jews. He was saying this that God had sent him first 
to offer salvation to the Jewish people first. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 6 with me. And it says that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And one more scripture here in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation for everyone that believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. See, folks, we're not talking about superiority here, but only priority. Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make sense if we reach our own folks first? See, the early church told by Jesus to begin in Jerusalem before going into the rest, rest of the world. See, some folks are ready to just take big adventures and go out and just, but they won't share the gospel with their own people first. Jesus' statement is clear here. Israel is a lost sheep. He wasn't saying that some are lost or some are saved, but the entire nation of Israel is lost. Which comes to the second point of this message. When God puts you on hold, take an inventory of where you stand with God. Take an inventory of where you stand with God. Where do you stand with God? Where did Israel stand with God? Hmm. Jesus said that they were lost. But someone might say, well, hey, yeah, but wait a minute, I'm a Jew, so what, what difference does that make? Or someone may say, um, hey, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm, I'm a churchgoer, I'm a church member, so what difference does that make with God? Well, the difference is, without Jesus, we're all lost in our sins. And this woman's approach to Jesus was like this. And I want you to, to, to really pay attention to this because I don't want you to miss what's being said here. Look at verse 22 where it says, she said, Lord, son of David. And she came with a, with a Jew, Jewish approach here. And then his disciples urged him to send her away. The disciples were saying this, Lord, she's not one of us. She's trying to be, but she's not Jewish. And then Jesus says, well, I've come only to the lost sheep of Israel. So the next thing that this woman says is, Lord, help me. She got down on her knees and she worshiped. She dropped that title, son of David. She dropped those, the, the Jewish approach and she just got down on her knees in a helpless and humble way and she cried out, Lord, help me. I'm going through something right now. My body's going through something right now. My finances are a wreck. When are you going to fall on your knees and cry out to the Lord for help? 
He is our helper. He is our provider. But we don't ask him because we ask for the wrong reasons. When God puts you on hold, take an inventory of yourself. What are you holding up to the Lord for approval? You see, Jesus, he didn't, he didn't meet her needs based on that nice, kind, polite way that she acknowledged him. No, son of David. Neither did, if you recall, Nicodemus. If you remember, Nicodemus approached Jesus with the title, no man can do these things except God be with him. And Jesus told him, you have to be born again. You can come to me with all these outstanding theological valuations, but they're going to get you nowhere. The only way you're going to get to go is by being born again. I like the way this man named Jerry Vines, he comments on this. He says this. He says, we do not come to Jesus through a Jewish door. We do not come to Jesus through a Baptist door. We do not come to Jesus through a Methodist door. We do not come to Jesus through a Pentecostal door. We come to Jesus through the sinner's door. That's the only way to get to Jesus. So when God puts you on hold, keep on trusting in Jesus. Take a personal inventory of where you stand with God. And number three, surrender to God your whole life. Surrender to God your whole life. You know when Jesus, when he said that it wasn't right to take the, 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 the crumbs that fall from the children's bread and, and, and give it to the dogs, he wasn't being disrespectful when he said this because it's true, the Gentiles were often referred to as dogs by the Jewish people. But Jesus wasn't calling her a dog. But he was using a word that was often given to Gentiles. But this woman says, hmm, I know I'm called a dog. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I know that we have a nickname. But that shouldn't stop me from getting a blessing from you, Lord. You may feel like you have a title on your back. That you've been called this and that. It doesn't matter what people call you. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Your blessing doesn't come from man, it comes from Jesus. This woman didn't care about what other people thought about her or said about her. She was willing to even have our Lord to use that name, that embarrassing name, that, 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 that degrading name of a dog. Even if that is the position that the Lord wanted her to be in, that was okay with her because she had a desperate need. 
She has a daughter that is sick, that is demon-possessed. She's praying for her daughter to be delivered from those tormenting demons in her life. This woman was confessing her total dependence upon God. Those things that trouble you, those things that you think have broken you. Let me tell you something, the devil's conniving. He will make a lie sound so much like a truth. But it doesn't matter because God's got a blessing for you. You see, with this lady, there was no strings attached. Let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Have there been times when you have placed certain conditions upon um, how God will meet your needs? Oh, we've all probably done that before. Have you said something like this? Well, God, you know, I need your help, but, but I'm not going to stoop down and, and, and allow others to call, me, to call me names. I'm not going to be caught catching crumbs from nobody's table. That's not my style. And I'm going to be called by the popular name. And I'm going to sit in important, in important places and be recognized as a somebody. You know, if you thought things like that, let me tell you, that's the reason why most folks miss out on God's blessings. Because they don't want to be humble. They want to set limitations on where God places them. But not this woman. Not this woman. No, she said, Lord, you can call me what you want to call me. You can place me anywhere on the table that you want. You can put me on top of the table. You can put me underneath the table with the dogs. But I don't care because I'm waiting on my blessing. I'm going to take those crumbs if I have to. But I'm dependent on you. See, whenever you believe that God is putting you on hold, keep on trusting Jesus. You may not have all the answers right now, but didn't Jesus say that he will never forsake you? Take a close look at where you stand with the Lord. What's the Lord saying to you about your life? Do you trust Jesus for your personal salvation? something else other than Jesus? Commit all you are to Jesus. Let him and only him have his way in your life. Surrender all to Jesus and he will make you one of his. Allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. on the word of God which is his holy Bible whenever you're on hold if you will commit commit your all to Jesus and he will speak to 
personal needs. He will speak peace into your heart. He will give you strength for those trying days. He will give you wisdom in, 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 in what to do in any given situation. He will give you his presence when you're feeling lonely. He will give you the courage when you're forsaken by family and friends. Whatever the need is, Jesus is all that you need. If it's salvation, then he is your savior. If it's comfort, then Jesus is your comforter. If it's advice, he's that counselor. If it's healing, oh, Jesus is your healer. If it's wisdom, then Jesus is your teacher. Let me tell you, Jesus is right for whatever's wrong in your life. Will you place your faith in Jesus? Didn't Jesus say, great is thy faithfulness? What happened? Is as you asked, your daughter is healed. When you have to wait for an answer, keep your eyes on Jesus faith in God. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord God, for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and your, your grace, Lord God. Father, I don't know who in here this morning that this message was for, Father. Lord, I pray that it will minister to their hearts. That it will speak to them, Lord God, in, in ways that no one could, Lord. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you bless us with, Lord. God, I pray follow you, Lord. We'll trust in you, Lord. We'll look at ourselves, Lord God. We'll check ourselves and give our all to you, Father. There's no one like you, Lord. Father, we thank you.
worship Jesus and ask Jesus to be the savior of your life. There's a turning point. So if you'll all stand with me this morning. You just repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I come to you to confess that I'm a sinner. I need to be saved from all of my sins. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a second chance and making me whole. In Jesus' name. about your week today this week today I know the week is just one day right but you go about your week don't just run out the doors and forget about what God wants you to know he's given you tools to go about them trying weeks and them trying times in your lives so trust in Jesus trust in Jesus trust in Jesus